Bible reading number 194. Justice for all. Mankind, unless you're a criminal, begs for justice. They beg for justice. Criminals beg for leniency. But people that are the oppressed beg for justice. We're in the 23rd chapter of the book of Exodus and verse number 20. The first part of this chapter we talked about God dealing with with mankind as far as justice goes. Do not commit perjury. Do not uh, bear false witness. Do not lie, basically. And uh, even if a poor man is caught in wrong, you should not protect the poor man even though he's wrong. If he's done something wrong, you need to prosecute him, and he needs to make amends. And if a rich man, uh, and of course uh, in many places, you can only get justice if you can afford it. If you can pay for it, you might get justice. If you've got a good enough lawyer, you might get justice. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that the justice should be colorblind and blind to the society that they're in, that only the facts matter. There was justice for the animals of the land, the wild beasts of the field, the birds of the air. All men are supposed to be created equal. You're supposed to have mercy upon even the animals and give them a day of rest. Not supposed to work an animal until he's dead. Just because you can, because you own it. Verse number 22. After all of this, it says here that I'm going to send my angel I'm going to send my angel, actually me, before you to guard you along the way and to bring you into the place where I have prepared for you. Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah my banner, Jehovah my, my, my leader, Jehovah my general would go before you. Be on your guard before him. Obey his voice. Do not be rebellious toward him. For he will not pardon your transgression since my name is in him. This is me. This is Jehovah, the angel of God, going before you. You respect who he is and what he is. But if you will truly obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies. And I will be an adversary for your adversaries. For the angel of the Lord will go before you to bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I will completely destroy them. And every one of these people had what they were. And their names said what they were. And I will completely destroy them. You shall not worship their gods, nor serve them. I mean, if they got gold, gods of gold, you shall not worship those gods of gold. You shall not keep that beautiful piece of workmanship in your house. You shall not bow down to it. 
You shall not worship their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their deeds, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their sacred pillars and pieces. Take down their, their church houses, basically. Now remember, these were pagans. These were bad people. And in their worship services, they killed, they offered human sacrifices. Uh, the temple prostitutes, they, they, they went to town and they would sell their favors and then you go up to the church house and have sex with this temple prostitute. And that's what uh, Judah did when he was on the road there when he thought Tamar was a temple prostitute. You shall not do this. You shall serve the Lord your God, Jehovah your Elohim, and he will bless your bread and your water. And I will remove sickness from your midst. <clears throat> In this land, there was a lot of venereal disease and sicknesses. There was uh, uh, staph infections, all kinds of stuff throughout this land because of their living patterns. And he said, if you do what I tell you, the diseases that are in this land will not be passed on to you, but if you don't, you will inherit their diseases along with their land. I will bless your water, I will bless your bread. The water will not be contaminated. We know now that water is contaminated. Used to, when I was young, I still have Sierra cups. They're a little stainless steel cup. Before that, they were tin cups. And you just wore them on your belt. And, it, and when you were out in the streams and the mountains, you could get down and get a drink of water and drink it, and it was safe to drink. But the cattlemen brought the cattle in, and a lot of cattle carry giardia. And when you get that, it can kill you. And you get very sick. I know some people lost 50 and 75 pounds with giardia. Many animals died with giardia. It doesn't hurt the cattle but it hurts everything else. And down in Bakersfield area, the cattlemen, they ran their cattle where this giardia was. They brought them in there. The, the birds come and eat this water or eat this in the water. They eat, and in their feces out there, they eat the grain, and then they get giardia. And then they take giardia to town with them when they go, and they defecate into swimming pools and to in ponds and things like that, even around where water dogs and other ducks and things can get it, and the ducks, it will kill them. It will kill all of the waterfowl. It's even out there in Lake Buena Vista, out east of Bakersfield, all from this Giardia. Well, their water shall be healed. Their bread and their food shall not be contaminated. Thou shall be no one miscarrying or barren in your land, and I will fulfill the number of your days. None of your wives, when they get pregnant, they're not going to miscarry. You're going to have a child. She's going to have a child. Every one of your sheep that gets pregnant, every one of your goats, every one of your uh, cattle, your cows that get pregnant, they're going to bring forth. They're not going to miscarry. And I will do this all the number of your days if you do what I tell you to do. This is a conditional covenant. A conditional covenant. I will send my terror ahead of you. I'm going to make these people afraid of you. I'm going to do great signs and wonders and they're going to be afraid of you. And, and I will throw them into confusion, all the people among whom you come. And I will make all of your enemies turn their backs to you. They will run. 
and I will send hornets ahead of you that they may drive out the Hivites and the Canaanites and the Hittites before you. I'm going to send hornets. The hornets are going to be so bad that they're going to sting them, they're going to drive them out of the land. The hornets will. And if you've ever been in any place out in the country, you know how hornets can be. I remember when Marilyn and I got married about 25 years ago, there was trees all over that place. Trees in the flower beds, trees all around the house. And they were breaking up the foundation and everything. And I had to go cut all the trees down. I had to trim all these bushes and things. And every bush had a hornet nest in it or five hornet nests in it. And I must have been stung at least a thousand to two thousand times. Those hornets, that really hurts. That really hurts. And in all of these bushes and all these trees, there were also black widows. And I'm going to tell you something. If you've ever been bit by a black widow, that is worse than a hornet. It's worse than a wasp or worse than a bee or anything. I was a little over a year ago in August. I went there and Marilyn wanted me to pick her some grapes. I went out there and picked the grapes. And I was picking the grapes. I didn't have gloves on. And I reached up there and picked a thing of grapes. And I thought maybe there's what they call skeletonizers in there. A little worm with a black and yellow worm inching along. And if you touch one of them, it burns like fire. Toxins in its skin. It's hair on its body. And I said, well, maybe a hornet stung me. And my, it stung me right there on that finger, right there between that joint and that one on my little finger. My finger swelled up so fast and so bad that I thought it was going to bust, and my whole arm was just aching. My stomach was in, twisted in knots. I was nauseous. All of this going on all at the same time. And I had a funeral of my cousin that I had to go to in a little while. Well, I went in and I took a Benadryl and I put uh, all types of uh, uh, baking soda and everything on that finger. And it still hurt, throbbing, throbbing, aching. And I went ahead and got ready and went to the the funeral, what, what was as a memorial service. And when I got there, my cousin was a captain in the fire department. And his sons and brothers and everything were all part of the fire department. They were all captains and paramedics and everything. And anyway, they came there and they looked at my finger because I told them I told them I might not be able to come. They looked. They said, you've been bit by a black widow. Go to the hospital right now. So I visited for a few minutes and I went to the hospital and I was there until 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning, something like that. They were just watching after me to make sure I didn't fall over dead or something because this toxin that they have in them it's a very powerful sting. It's a horrible, horrible... I mean, it just gets worse. You know, when a hornet or wasp bites you within two or three hours, if you put baking soda on it or this anti-sting or kills or whatever it is, it'll go away to some extent. It might be still hurting a little bit the next day, but it goes away. This thing kept getting worse and more intense and more intense and more intense. It affected me for about a month or more. It killed some people. All of those black widows that I killed on that farm, one of them got me And after I moved away from there and went back. Well, <clears throat> hornets. I'll send hornets ahead of you that they may drive out the Hivites and Canaanites and uh, Hittites before you. And I will, I will not drive them out before you in a single year. 
There's a reason for this, he says. I will not do it immediately, not in one year I won't. That the man may, may not become desolate. It may be, not become desolate. It, uh, the farms will be there when you go in there. The orchards will be fresh and, and they will be pruned. There will not be a whole lot of wolves in the land. There won't be lions in the land. There won't be uh, wolves in the land or bears. That the land may not become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Every year in the fall, we have a, a family that came here back in homesteading in the 1940s, uh, Hudson's. They came from around Cuyama Valley and uh, out by Taft, California. And they moved up here and they planted this great big apple orchard down there. And they were selling apples years ago. I remember when they did that. You could go buy a, a crate of apples or whatever from them. Now they don't do that. They're doing different things and the apples are just kind of wild. And if you want to go over and pick them, you pick them if you want some or whatever. They take some of them to the food giveaways now and then. But what goes in there are the coyotes and uh, the lions and the bear. They got pictures of bear going down in there and they'll eat all of this fruit falling on the ground. And the beasts of the field, they go, they're drawn to this because that's free food. And if they drove these people out, then the bear and the wolves and the lions, etc., the jackals would multiply in the land so much because they'd have plenty of food to eat and so they could have plenty of babies. And I'm not going to drive this out so that, that the wild animals, the wild beasts of the field become too numerous for you. God's looking for out for them in every way, isn't he? And I will drive them up before you little by little until you become fruitful and take possession of that land. And I will fix your boundary from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the river of the Euphrates. That's your, that's your land. You're going to own that land one of these days. Now, they never did have all of that. But that's the land that God gave them. This is a title deed to the whole land of Palestine all the way to the Euphrates. From the boundary of the reed, the Sea of Reeds is what it actually says. And I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you will drive them out before you. If they would have done what God told them to do, they would have had all that land, but they didn't. Now David got quite a bit of the land. Solomon held on it until the what we call the, the northern and the southern kingdom divided. I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you will drive them out before you. And you shall make no covenant with them or with their gods. You will not make any covenant with them nor you will you make a covenant by the name of their gods. You will not make a covenant with them by the name or in the name of their gods. By Beelzebub I do this. This is what they did. And they shall not live in your land. This was the key to their future happiness. And this was the key to their future happiness. They shall not live in your land lest they make you sin against me. 
For if you were to serve their gods, it would surely be a snare to you. The key to the future happiness and prosperity of the land of Israel and the people of Israel was to follow these rules in the 23rd chapter. Follow the rules. Verse number 24. Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, and you and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and the seventy of the elders of Israel, and you shall worship at a distance. Now God's given them all these laws and all these rules, this conditional covenant, and now he said, I want you to come up here. I want you to, I want the priest to come up here. And Moses alone, however, shall come near to the Lord, but they shall come, not come near, nor shall the people come up with them. Then Moses came and recounted to the people all the words of the Lord and all of the ordinances. This word ordinance means judgments. These are, these are edicts. You do this, I will do this. Now we come to the Lord today and we ask the Lord to save our soul and forgive us of our sins, repenting of those sins, and that is an unconditional covenant. The covenant that God made for Abraham, God, Abraham didn't sign that covenant. God, when he made the covenant with Abraham, he made him fall asleep and God walked through those pieces of animals and beasts. And God signed that covenant alone. That's an unconditional covenant. The Abrahamic covenant is unconditional. The Davidic covenant is unconditional. There will be a, throne, a king on the throne of Israel forever, by the way. And Israel is not the church either. There will be a king, and that is a, what we call the Davidic covenant. Jesus Christ is that king. Through David and through Judah would come forth the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he would be the one to rule the world in the future. That's an unconditional covenant. It depends upon God and him only. Then Moses came and recounted to the people all the words of the Lord and all the ordinance, and that the people answered with one voice, and all the words which the Lord has spoken we will do. What they actually said is, Amen. We'll do it. Amen, we'll do it. In other words, we'll see to it, we will... Stand behind it. Yet they didn't. And Moses wrote all the words down of the Lord. And then he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and the twelve pillars for the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men, the sons of Israel, and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as peace offerings to the Lord. And then Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and the other half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Now they had built an altar. And then he took the book of the covenant. And he read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. Then Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Now, the blood of those bulls was innocent blood. Those bulls were led to slaughter. And they were led to slaughter. They had been treated well all their lives. They had not been beat up and everything. And they're just going because they think they're going to the pasture or whatever. And they get to where they're going and they slit their throats. The innocent blood of these animals 
was applied to these people. And the innocent blood of those animals were just like the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Then Moses went up with Aaron and Adab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel, and under his feet there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire. The word sapphire there, it's, it's it like, just like in Revelation, the fourth chapter. As clear as the sky itself, this was a diamond stone. It reflected blue in it. And he did not stretch out his hand against the nobles of the sons of Israel, and they beheld God, and they ate and drank. Now the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain, and remain there, and I will give you the stone tablets with the law and the commandments which I have written for their instruction. God wrote these laws with his own hand. This word tablet, page 531, Brown, Driver, and Briggs. So Moses arose with Joshua, Joshua, his servant. Now the word Joshua and Jesus are the same name, by the way. Joshua, you can translate Joshua, Jesus, and, and Jesus, Joshua. And Joshua, his servant, and Moses went up into the mountain of God but to the elders he said, Wait here for us until we return to you, and behold, Aaron and Hur are with you, and whoever has legal matter, let him approach them. They still were arguing, weren't they? <laughs> they still arguing. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The presence of the Lord of life covered that mountain. And the glory of the Lord rested on the Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. And in the seventh day he called to Moses from the midst of the cloud. And to the eyes of the sons of Israel the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. It was like a constant lightning, like a nuclear reactor. And Moses entered the midst of the cloud and he went up to the mountain and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Now just remember Moses hadn't been eaten all this time. It's like Jesus being in the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights and he, and he did not eat. God was providing for Moses in the presence of God is life. Life and energy. Food gives you energy, doesn't it? Water gives you strength and energy. God was a source of life on that mountain for Moses. And God is a source of life for us today. Our Father, we send this message out to you, your people throughout the world. Let them be fed with it. Let them be nourished with it. And Father... Just use your word wherever it goes to honor and glorify yourself. Please forgive me where I fail you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.